Stieber. Stieber kapura törhet, eldőlhet a mérkőzés. Stieber a 16-oson belül, lövés, gól! Hello and welcome to the Hungarian International, the Hungarian Football Podcast. This is the first Hungarian Football Podcast, so today we're sort of going to set the scene a little bit. We're going to talk about the national team, we're going to talk about last year, we're going to talk about Euro 2016. On the show today we've got Gergely Marosi from Nemzeti Sport and uh, Chris Barrett, who's a writer for HungarianFootball.com. In the middle we're going to have a little bit of history uh, from David Asboff, who's done like, a nice little piece on uh, El Salvador versus Hungary from the 1982 World Cup. And at the end, we're going to have an uh, interview with Honved keeper David Groff, who's played for Notts County, Mansfield and Hibs down the years. Um, yeah, like I say, this first episode, we're going to sort of be setting the scene a little bit. But in later episodes, we're going to talk in a bit more detail. We're going to be talking Hungarian tactics with coaches and stuff. We're going to talk about politics in Hungarian football, how that affects it. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about history as well. Um, hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Right, let's get on with the show. On the pod today, we have Chris Barrett from the USA. He's been writing for our site, HungarianFootball.com, this season on MB1. It's his first year following the Hungarian League, but he's follower, a massive follower of football. He uh, loved the Swiss League at one point. He probably follows the Vietnamese League, knowing Chris. I like to call him Opta Chris, because if there's a stat worth knowing in the Hungarian League, he'll know it. So welcome to the show, Chris Barrett. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Great to be here. And with him today is Gergely Morosi. Gergely is a bit of a veteran in the Hungarian journalism world, if he doesn't mind me saying. And until very recently, he was senior editor at Hungary's leading newspaper, Nemzeti Sport. He's been over the world covering football for them. Uh, welcome to the show, Gergo. Hi, and it's very nice to be here as well. Um, obviously, last year, Hungary played in their first major tournament for 30 years, put on a pretty good show, beat Austria, drew against Iceland, was involved in that great 3-3 draw with Portugal, Jujak versus Ronaldo, before succumbing to Belgium in the last 16, Kleinheiser got injured in the warm-up and Hungary's shape went completely to pot. Adam Pinto was playing uh, in number 10 role, which is not what you need. Obviously, it was a great Euros, but to throw in a curveball, Hungary only actually won three of their 12 games in 2016. Obviously, the Austria game that I just alluded to beat Latvia away in a scrappy 2-0 win, um, but Gulacci um, actually bailed us out on a couple of occasions, and then we beat the mighty Andorra, and uh, Adam Zolai scored a, a brace, which obviously happens all the time now because he scored a brace again at the weekend. Gogo, we'll start with you. How would you describe Hungary's 2016 and what were your favourite moments? Well, I, th- I think you can say we only won three games out of 12. Indeed we do. But if you look at the opposition standard, we played a lot of top 10 and top 20 teams. And the nine out of the 12 games was against uh, a team which, for, for which the average FIFA world ranking is 18. So I, I, don't, I don't even remember what was the last year Hungarian national team had so much quality opponents in a year. And for my favorite moment, well, I will, I, I will always, always remember Solid goal against Austria. <laughs> that, was, that, that was something... I, it's difficult to describe what it means. I mean... I, I was alive when we lost were at the World Cup 
in 86, and, but obviously I don't remember anything of it. Other, other than my dad being pissed off because he was in Soviet city now. And same, same with AK2. So, so I, I, I grew up in a world when Hungary, Hungarian national team and Hungarian football in general was, was basically nothing good. And, and as the time passed, we kind of started to give up, to give up hope. Uh, that we will ever see the team in a major tournament. So that just just seeing the team, I remember totally. I, I remember what I listened to when I went to work. It it was it, it's totally it stuck in my mind how the game against Austria went and the goal as well. And and it's it's difficult to describe. The, the, the feeling, but it was really, really, really moving. And uh, you seldom see a whole newsroom full of, let's say, cynical sport journalists hmm. basically crying from joy and having tears in their eyes. And that, that's what that, that, that's what it mean, meant to us. I think a lot of us could never imagine that we will see something like that. Yeah, and and that performance that day against Sostrews is Amazing. I mean, before Hungary went into that That was, I think, one of the best Hungarian national team's performances I've ever seen. It, it was, and I, I thought before the before the tournament that Hungary would be competitive in the tournament. I I, I didn't think they'd actually win a game. To be fair, I mean, Austria were tipped as as a like I said, an outsider for the tournament, really. But that was just Hungary at its best, and I think I'd like to say that. I wasn't totally surprised because I think that all of those players have the ability to play that well. I just they just don't seem to do it and obviously in the past Hungary haven't really played like a team until until almost when Dardai came and and it was just amazing to see that 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 performance that day and then obviously it was rounded off in style by Steve and it couldn't have been couldn't have been written any better. He was perfect. Chris, as an outsider, what impressed you most about the Hungary games you saw, and do you think the future is bright for Hungarian football? Yeah, that's a great question, Thomas. I think that um, you know what I saw, I was impressed with. I mean, if we're comparing Hungary now with the better teams, then I think two to three, uh, two or three games out of twelve isn't fantastic. But you know, again, I'm I'm coming from you know, expecting teams uh, who are playing in these tournaments to be playing well. If they're going to be considered a mediocre team or an overachieving team, then, you know, they, they, they did well. I, I think the, the, the Austria game, their 2-0 win over Austria was, was amazing. But, you know, that could have gone very wrong very quickly. If you remember, in the first minute, David Alaba hit the post. Mm -hmm. And um, he had broken through and beat uh, uh, Gabo Karai. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's, that's it. You know, and if that goal would have gone in, it could have changed the entire tournament. Um, but yes, uh, Salai's goal was great. Uh, Stever's Steve, cheeky chip at the end was wonderful. I loved that. Uh, I think he played for Yeovil Town at some point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, just watching him um, just kind of wheel away after that, I thought, boy, they're they're in it, and and they look like a team with confidence. Um, I. I think the Iceland game was, was a clumsy game for them. I, I don't think either team was really into it. Um, I think I think Karai kind of, uh, you know, when he spilled that ball and, and uh, the, the penalty ensued after that, 
they were lucky, I think, to get a draw on that one, and I, I kind of felt that was um, a hard one for them. But then the thriller <laughs> uh, against Portugal really just made me excited about that team, just watching them be able to um, just create and make a result, you know. Um, yeah, that one, uh, I think that one won over a lot of new trust. The quality of the play and that we were kind of evil with Portugal, play-wise as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, do, I think, though, that, you know, the thing that really um, uh, I would question would be their defense. Um, you know, and we saw that in the game against Portugal. Um, you know, again, you're playing against uh, people like Cristiano Ronaldo, who had that amazing backheel goal. I mean, it, people like that who can create magic, it's really hard. Um, but, uh, you know, we could have had four on that. I say we, Hungary could have had four. I think it was Elek maybe at the very yeah, end. Yeah. He, he, he broke through and hit the post. And, I, I, you know, I remember holding my head in my hand saying that that could have been it. That could have been it for Portugal. Um, that was a huge, huge uh, part. And then, then again against Belgium, we saw really going down early to the header um, by uh, Alderweireld. And then, you know, we just fell apart, <laughs> you know. Um, and held out well, but uh, you know, I, I I just feel like if they're going to improve, then that's the that's the one place um, I think that that they need to improve in terms of academies and and, and um, talent moving forward. Yeah, and, and talent moving to the right clubs maybe because like well when our defense is out, they are used to players from the NB1, not used to players like Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, so right. Totally different league. They don't have any experience, basically, with that kind of opponents. Maybe one or two games in the national team, but that's all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then and also, like, the, the back four is Fiola, who was playing in MBU1. There was Guzmic, who was playing in Poland. There was Kadar playing in Poland. I think Korhut played that day. He was playing for Debrecen. So, yeah. it is, yeah, like you say, there's literally no there's no experience against the better players and I think that's why they came undone so badly in that Belgian game as well because Hazard was on fire that day and he was amazing and he's yeah, but he was like playing video games not like playing with real life football yeah I know and, and it's so frustrating because Hazard had such a bad year that year as well yeah I mean 2000 last season Hazard was was like non-existent for Chelsea, and then he, he goes up against us and he destroys us. Uh, also, I want to say on that on that Portugal game as well, like Hungary rested their best two players from that that uh, that uh, for that game. Yeah. I mean, Gera came off at half time um, when it was one-one. Kleinheisler and Nudge didn't even start because they were rested for the the next game. So, I mean, Hungary basically drew with Portugal, who Portugal and um, Portugal needed to get a result with what you could say is the reserve team as well that's how impressive that result was for Hungary that day and they could like you say when Alec had that shot they had the post they could have won it as well um, we move on just quickly speak on Adam Nodge who is sort of the um, Hungary's sort of brightest prospect at the moment he's on almost every top 50 top 100 best under 21 list he was in in Bedouin Maradona's great top 100 list that they do and um, Gentleman Ultra also put him in their best Serie A prospects. Um, I was also speaking to someone today on uh, Twitter about how he could have replaced Conte at Leicester and he actually was linked to the um, 
to replace him at one point. I know he's he's a bit different because he doesn't quite put in the tackles. He's not quite as robust as Conte, but he's got the ball playing ability. And I think in time he will become more robust when he gets more used to playing in Italy, a bit more of a physical league. Um, obviously his distribution of the ball is fantastic right foot, left foot, he's progressive with his passing, maybe more so for Hungary than he is at Bologna but also he's like he's quite a grounded character from what I've seen of him Gergo, how far do you think he could go in the game, I'd have nudge maybe further than, than any Hungarian midfielder in the last 20 years I would say uh, he, he has a lot of things that cannot really be, I don't know, okay, they, they can be told, but it, uh, some of his decision-making is absolutely superb, that, and, and you, you cannot see that in another Hungarian midfielder, central midfielders. He knows where to pass, how his reaction is very good, his distribution is very good, uh, what he lacks is, yeah, as you said, is basically a bit of meanness. And he, he just said today in an interview uh, that he needs to start to be the nice guy, so to say. Yeah, it's, it's uh, true. He needs to dirty up a bit, I would say. Yeah, and he's so in Italy, so he should be doing that anyway. Yes, yeah, so he needs to pick up muscle. Uh, that, that, that's obvious, because right now I think he can be kind of intimidated and pulverized in midfield. He's facing with a real midfield destroyer. Yeah. But but he, he's, he's amazing. So this passing awareness, uh, distribution, and decision making uh, are all all very much above the, what is the usual standard for a Hungarian footballer. And it's a huge thing that he adapted so well to Serie A, because Italy is notoriously difficult league. Coming from Hungary, even more, I think. A uh, lot of tactics very very high quality tactics and tactical coaching so he needed to he needed to understand his role very well to to play consistently and to to play week in and week out for Bologna he's he, he can he can go very far I think he will never be some somebody like a real star you know because he's not that kind of type of player He's not really scoring. He's not giving many assists, so that. But 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 he's the kind of player that can make uh, who can who can make a team tick on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, um, can I make a quick comment? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think you know just watching him, and I've only really seen him in the international games because I can't watch um, Syria. But um, you know, if you think about it, you know, you talk about N'Golo Kante uh, at Chelsea and, and Leicester last year. He's 25. And uh, not just 21. And when um, when Angola Conte was 21, he was still playing on Bologna's B team. <laughs> so yeah. if you think about how far he's come in the last four years, you know, and how much he can learn, how much he's learned, how much uh, Naj can learn, I think um, you, know, you you are looking at a special talent. And it's obvious that he has a lot of um, potential. And uh, hopefully that's that's realized. Um, you know, in Italy right now. would love to see him play in the Premier League at some point. Yeah, and to be fair, I think he made the right move going to Bologna as well, cause, and it did seem to take a little bit of time, like when he was linked to all these clubs. I think Benfica were almost like 
well, it seemed like they were destined to sign him at one point. And I think he's done the right decision, made the right decision of joining Bologna, where he's going to get game time, and that's like crucial at this stage of his, of his career. Yeah, they're, they're just more important than anything else, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it doesn't usually happen to Hungarian footballers. You think of the Hungarian national team likes the most. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you think back to. And I don't know, maybe Vladimir Komen's a bit of a bad example, but he he, he moved, he just didn't make the right decision make, uh, decisions in his life when it came to transfers, and that, and he was a fantastic talent when he was younger, and it's just completely wasted. And hopefully Nudge has got that that he's got he's definitely certainly got that brain, but hopefully he gets the right advice from the people around him where and he doesn't move too quickly from Bologna if if he does do well enough obviously at Bologna that he doesn't move to a bigger club where he's not going to play every week because it, it that's what he needs to do at his age yeah yeah probably one or two years more in Bologna yeah and, and then I think under Donadoni as well he's got a good mentor there yeah yeah and uh, I think the Serie A is really good for somebody in his position yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's one of the best leagues to play in because you you are learning a lot of tactics, a lot of awareness. You you have you have to be very careful what you do because all the teams are able to punish you for your mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And and Italy traditionally isn't actually that great for young players so for him to be playing week in week out it, it probably just shows quite, quite how impressive Adam Nudge has been okay there, um, let's just finish up on the Hungarian national team um, out of 10 Chris how would you rate Hungary's year out of 10 um, mm-hmm. well you know considering what we had mentioned before if, if we're looking at them as a as a, um, a mid-level European team that overachieved uh, reaching the knockout rounds of the Euros is is fairly impressive, and I think that they did uh, overachieve a little bit. Um, and so, I mean, I'm I'm going to say a strong seven and a half to eight. Cool. That's eight for me. Eight, eight for me. And the bonus is that I would never ever thought that I will, uh, I see Hungarian people flocking in tens of thousands to the street to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, never, never, not after the Olympics, not after everything happened. I've never seen this type of thing. I mean, people blocking half of the city and dancing on the, on the tram lines and stuff like that. That was totally crazy. Uh-huh. I, I, we, we will surely never forget it. Amazing, amazing. Okay, good stuff. Um, we'll be talking to MB1 after this.
Tiber kapura törhet, eldőlhet a mérkőzés, Tiber a 16-oson belül, lövés, gól! Hello, magyar football fans. My name's David Asboth, and in this segment of the podcast, I'd like to take you on a journey into the past to explore some of the historic glories of Hungarian football. It's a chance to meet our footballing heroes and to relive some of our most defining moments. And in each episode, I'll cover a classic game, a biography of one of our footballing legends, or a combination of both. Fans might be expecting me to start with the magical Magyars, the glorious team of the 1950s, and it's understandable, of course. You ask about Hungarian football anywhere in the world and you hear Puskash. But I'd like to go off the beaten path a bit. Today, I want to introduce a game from the 1982 World Cup, where Hungary defeated El Salvador 10 goals to 1. To this day, it's the biggest ever victory in a World Cup match, although there have been games with the same margin, two 9-0 games, one of them a Hungarian win over South Korea in the 54 World Cup. But the 10-1 victory was Hungary's first group game, and so a promising start to the World Cup. But unfortunately, after losing to Argentina and drawing against Belgium, we finished third in the group and were eliminated. So although the 82 World Cup itself wasn't a successful one for Hungary, the game against El Salvador is one for the history books. Apart from being the biggest ever World Cup win, the game also featured the fastest ever World Cup hat trick. Laszlo Kis scored three goals in seven minutes and is still the only one to have scored a World Cup hat trick as a substitute. His second goal, Hungary's eighth, is probably my favorite of the game. He gets the ball on the corner of the box after Nilashi's lovely run and deftly chips it over the keeper. It's well worth watching and we'll link to the videos on Twitter. So I mentioned Nilashi. His name and some of the others in that team might be familiar to Hungarian football fans already. Tibor Nilashi was one of the stars of his generation. Ferenc Varos player, later manager, now football pundit, but three times Ferenc Varos player of the year, and one goal off getting a golden boot in 1981. He scored the first and last goals in the El Salvador game. The second was scored by one Gabor Pölöskei, who might not be as well known, but his son Jot might ring some bells among Liverpool fans, as he was part of their youth setup for a while. <laughs> Interesting fact, Gábor Pölöskei's brother-in-law is the current Hungarian president, Janos Áder. Another prominent team member was András Töröcsik, who's an Újpest legend, or Újpesti Doja, as it was called at the time. Three-time Hungarian champion, 12 goals for Hungary, and a famously good dribbler. He didn't score on that occasion against El Salvador. But another scorer's name might be familiar to those who followed the Hungarian league in the last few years. Hungary's seventh, came from Lazar Szentes, who has managed many top-flight teams over the years, including Haladás, Diósgyör, Újpest, Debrecen. He's currently the sporting director of Al Ittihad in Saudi Arabia. The club was managed for a brief spell in the 90s by Sándor Egervári, a recent national team coach. Speaking of coaches, the 82 World Cup team was managed by Kalman Mészöy, who is a pundit these days, so he might be familiar to those who watch Hungarian football on TV, but he was a great player in his day and managed Hungary on three separate occasions. The 82 World Cup might have mixed memories for Hungarian football fans, but that historic win against El Salvador will always be fondly remembered. 
It was arguably the last time Hungary had a really good team. It was the last hurrah for a generation of extraordinary talents. Hungary did qualify for the next World Cup in 86, and it is our most recent appearance in that competition, but that squad featured mostly new names and was even less successful, including a 6-0 defeat to the Soviet Union. <laughs> And I wanted to kick off this segment with this 10-1 win, because it's a reminder that Hungary were prominent on the world stage as recently as the 1980s. But it is in stark contrast with the teams we've had since. The team that beat El Salvador was the last truly great Hungarian team, and my generation certainly hasn't seen such a talented group. Hopefully, a team of Nilashis and Turaciks is just around the corner. Next time, I'll take you back as far as the 1930s, but for now, Thanks for joining me. Welcome back. Let's move on to the Hungarian League for a bit. Right, so if I'm looking at the table now, we've got three teams that are top of the league. We've got Vidyatan, Honved and Vosos, all on 34 points. Then we've got the champions, Ferenc Varos, further four back on 30. Um, that's probably about as far as who can win it, really. All your pests are three points behind that, but you probably don't think that they've got the consistency to keep it up, um, well, to keep up a title hunt, especially when there's so many teams above them. Um, at the bottom, you've got Germot, who are gone. They've lost some key players as well in this um, transfer window, so I can't see them getting back into it. MT Carr and the Bretson, which, which is ridiculous how they're there. Um, and then up just above them, Diosjor and then Poch, and then Holodos just above them. Obviously, there's Germot basically gone, um, so there's only one more place to, um, one more position that will go down. Um, we'll make it a bit more positive. Um, who's impressed you so far, Chris, and who have you enjoyed watching the most? Well, first understand that this is my first year I followed, so the only teams uh, that I really heard of were Ferenc Baros, uh, Wipesh, um, Vidyatan, um, I guess uh, Hanved, but um, you know to, to see a name like like Vashash come up and do what they've done, how, how can you not be impressed by them um, and what Michael Henning has done with them? Um, it, it's been really fun to watch. Um, everyone thinking, a la Leicester City last year, they're just going to fall apart at some point, and they they haven't. <laughs> they've, they've continued to show consistency, chemistry. Um, you know, very well behind the ball as well as um, in the attacking third. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with what I've seen with them. Um, and also um, Hamed. I mean, they're a team that um, uh, hasn't been anywhere near the top recently, if my memory um, uh, uh, is right. And for them to, to do what they've done uh, has been pretty impressive. I know our friend Gail um, is not really – uh, impressed with Marco Rossi as as the uh, the manager, but you you can't get past what he's done with that team. Yeah, absolutely. And and the problem for them obviously is that they've just sold three of their best players. I mean, yeah, yeah. And that we'll we'll get into that when we talk about predictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, George Hemingway, he always goes on about how he wants to um to sort out Honved and take them back to the top, but. He, you can't be losing one of your players to the second division and then yeah. your best I know maybe you're going to get a bit of money and maybe some extra stuff because it's going to posh cash economy I'm not going to say any more than that 
but right. but I don't know. I mean, Voschos have done exactly what they should be doing at this stage of the season. They're top of the league. They're not. They're refusing to sell their best players, and they've sold Botka as well to Ferenc Varas. Maybe he wants to go, but I don't know. Sell him in the summer. You've got a chance to win the league here. I mean, right. maybe maybe an outside chance, but it, for me, I would be really frustrated if I was a Hanvey's fan. Um, Gergo, um, who surprised you this season? Obviously, Voschos and Hanvey are probably the obvious ones. Yeah, yeah, anyone else? Yes, not just the position, but the way they play it. And I um, also appreciate a lot that they have a lot of homegrown players coming from the Academy of Voschos. And some of them are working on the door of the national team as well. So the Michael Owen, Michael Owen was really brilliant with them. It's huge work that he put into this team, and they are very together. Great, great chemistry. I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if they beat the podium. And I, I say maybe it wouldn't be such a big surprise if they actually win the thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but like Ferenc Varos and Bugelton are quality-wise much better and have much more depth. Obvious, I, I for me really like Marco Ross's work because he's constantly overachieving with a very limited budget. Yeah. And I kind of, either way, I understand selling, uh, for example, I understand selling Prozac. If Pushkas Academia is coming and paying you an overpriced amount, for a winger, and you have more wingers in the squad, that's okay. Botka will be uh, Botka will be a heavy loss for them. And well, Kazukov has surprised me in a positive way because, like, coming up, being fifth, and playing quite good football. I, I think Attila Pinter is he, he has a really bad reputation because of the debacle with the national team. But uh, in fact, he's one of the best Hungarian managers. I think he should never be a national team uh, national team coach. He's not suited for the role. But if if he's working week in week out with the squad in the league, he can be very good. So Mezukovic is also positive. Uh, well, well, for the negatives, you see the you, you see the bottom region. Debrecen uh, is a major disappointment, and not just. Not just the position, but what is going on in Debrecen in the last, I don't know, two, three years. You see basically that everybody is uh, absolutely demotivated. The players, the fans are nowhere to be found. The owner is not willing to splash cash on the team. So it's like just slowly fading away from the top, and now they can be in trouble. And they can. And Teka is, I think, better than the, 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 the placement. And I, I can't really imagine them being relegated. Sure. And Gilmus is gone. Gilmus is gone, as you said. Yeah. If, if you are scoring eight goals during the whole autumn season, you have problems. <laughs> and they have, they, they have problems. And, and the squad is, the squad is second, the second division material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um... Yeah, they've obviously lost Charloy back to um, yeah, who, who scored a couple of their goals and he's gone back to the MLS. Also, 
So if Sholu is by far one of your best players, you are also in trouble. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, with respect, yeah. Um, obviously, Mezakovic, like you said, uh, Pinter did an amazing job there. I mean, he took them over when they were in MB2, and they were like mid-table, and he and uh, halfway through the season, and he got them promoted. And then obviously this season they're in fifth position, only three points behind Froddy. Like you say, I've I've always liked Pinter, and I've been on the same same opinion as you that he's not a national team manager. I was I was pretty gutted when he got put made as national team manager. But that jaw side that he had, they played some of the best football I've ever seen in Hungary in the Hungarian league. They were Dortmund were at the best of the time, and. Obviously, they didn't have the quality of Dortmund, but they played like that similar sort of style, that free-flowing, attacking... I think they had a, the four up there. I can't remember who the players were, to be honest. It was quite a long time ago. I think Dudash was one of them, and uh, La... No, I can't remember. But basically, they were just all interchanging, free-flowing. It, it was great stuff. And Pinto's probably done well every club, managed, club um, position he's been at. So he's going to be a big loss for Mezakovic. Um Hey, Tom, one of the things, too, that, that uh, you know, I saw is you know, we're talking about Mezikovets and how well they've done. You know, there was two games where they had lost consecutive uh, against Pax and Vashash, uh, 3-1, 4-0. Um, and he pulled uh, David Dombo and put in uh, Tomas uh, Tybel, the Slovakian keeper, who went on a run of four clean sheets that really brought Mezo into the fight at that point. Um and, you know, that uh, uh, Tybal has only conceded three in his last eight. Um, and I, I think at that point of the season, you know, they had, they had I think they'd won three in a row and four of five and, and gone on a long unbeaten streak. Someone like Pintar, who is making those decisions, you know, to, um, to put in that veteran type of leadership is brilliant. You know, and really what they need now is, is, is goals. Um, Diallo came in, scored got cold looks like they tried to ship him to turkey during the window but he blocked the transfer and now they're bringing in um uh is it lazar veselinovich from the korean league um you know they they've scored the least amount of away goals of any team that's not in a relegation place and it's just seven they need to score to 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 uh and like you say that diallo's been superb and i can remember when he was at froddy a few years ago and he scored an unbelievable bicycle kick back when um Back when they were playing at the um, push, uh, yeah, the Pushkash Stadium, and it was amazing. And he never really did that that well at Froddy. He, he didn't really play that much, but he's been superb for Mezikovic. Um, let's so we touch on Vidyaton a bit. Um, Gergay, what, what's your thoughts on Vidyaton this season? Obviously, Henningberg came in, massive reputation. What what have you have you been impressed by them this season? It's hit miss. Sometimes they are playing very impressive football. Sometimes they're very, they're playing way below their actual standard and how they are supposed to be playing. But they're in very good position. I mean, they're they're, they're top of the league, and uh, and to be fair, like Hovind and Vashash are with much weaker squads than without on. and mostly in depth. Without one has a lot more depth than the other two, and uh, I would say that the, that I I'd give them the best chance to win the win the league, and maybe to build on that. What what is rumored that they 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 will have uh, well 
kind of enormous, um, well, maybe transfer, transfer budget, but an enormous budget for the Hungarian level for next year, mm-hmm. before that. And uh, so, so maybe they're trying to build a team that can actually go to at least the European League, or, but rather the Champions League. But it is really, it's, it's really difficult now for Hungarian teams, I think. And Misha taught me that back in the time, the kind thing to the little nations. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 they play for a few, a few places between each other, but uh, it's still done hard. And, and uh, basically, Champions League qualifying is, is historically a source of constant disappointment for us. So if we don't win that, and they will have the funds they 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 better be a very very good team. Uh, from what I see from Bergius is quite good for his standard. I don't I don't know why the team is basically on one week and off the next. I can't understand this because sometimes they are playing like if they were okay not you mode but somebody somebody from the mid lower region and on other days they are playing playing really well and sometimes bad matches with bad results come straight out of nowhere. Like how, how they how they went out from the Hungarian Cup, mm-hmm. which caused a bit of uproar at the club in every level. But I would say that they have major chance to win the championship. I know, um, Chris, you were a bit surprised that they let Fetchison go. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I mean, here you have a guy that's um, his uh, joint leader at the top in goals. Um, he's worked well with Danko and Marco, um, you know, in that attacking third. And, I mean, that just provides depth, you know, as Gergo said. I mean, they, they have the depth. They have – why would you let somebody like that go? I mean, last year they finished second 21 points off of Friday. Now they're, they're, they're joint top after half of the season, they were nowhere near that last year. This is their chance. And, you know, why, why would you let them go? I mean, if there's money involved, I understand that. But, you know, as we mentioned, as we talked about before the show, uh, Tom, that's that's no reason at this point. You, you need to win the championship. And if you have that type of depth, you really have to keep it. Yeah, and they probably could have got the same amount of money for him in the, in the winter, is, uh, in the summer as well, probably. Um, right. Okay, so we touch on Fraddy for a little bit. Um the, um, this is the best part, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're four points off the top. Thomas Dole, I mean, people were calling for him to be sacked, to be fair. So even straight after the Champions League game, which was an absolute aberration. Um, they're four points, yeah, like I say, they're four points off the top. They've probably got the best squad in the league, and they've just signed Klein Eisler. Um, who else have they signed? Um Bognar, yeah, from David Tekar. Stern, Sternberg from Werder Bremen, that left back. I've never seen him play, but it's supposed to be good. Julian Koch. Yeah, And obviously Botko, who we spoke about earlier. Um, Chris, we'll go to you. Um, what do you think is going to happen to them? Obviously, they lost Ramirez, but they signed that left back code suspension from Werder Bremen. So that sort of like yeah. for like replacement. And they got a bit of good money for Ramirez as well. Um, what do you think? Yeah. Where do you think Ferencvaros will finish this season? Well, they, they they did wait a little while, didn't they? We all knew Ramirez was leaving. We all knew that they were going to have a big uh, uh, hole in left back, and and Yannick Sternberg is really it is a great replacement. I think he'll do fine. 
Um, but as I mentioned to you before, this is a team that, you know, they, they have a lot of resources. They can bring in almost any face they want. And they're, they're, they're bringing in a lot of faces. Um, um, you know, Dole's not happy. Uh, he's obviously a little unsettled. He was sent to the Sands a couple of times. I mean, there's just a lot of bad stuff going on at the club. And I think that they, you know, I'm hoping that these aren't, you know, panic buys. Uh, obviously, they're quality players. But to get a team like this to rally around um, – the manager to to believe in the system to you know to get that chemistry that you need to, to make a championship run i think it's going to be difficult for them i, I think laszlo klein heisler is probably the best acquisition of the window on any team um it was perfect um you know he's uh he's a good a replacement player. for dominic nodge as well to be fair uh, it, yeah, well, obviously he's better than dominic nodge but i mean they've they lost quite a player in nodge and they've stopped, they've replaced him with klein heisler right absolutely and then you know you also have um you know, uh, Pinter, um, Adam Pinter, who went, um, you know, to Brecht Firth. And, um, you know, so you, you you needed somebody in there, right? And we talked a little bit well uh, about Islan Bognar, who comes in and he's a, he's a good attacking mid. Um, you know, they're going to have a strong um, uh, cent- central attack. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, Ramirez leaving isn't going to be that big of a deal with Sternberg coming in. So they definitely have the pieces. That's not the issue. They definitely have the talent. Um, It's going to be, is this team going to come together? That's going to be be the big question mark, I think. Yeah, and I think personally what I saw was when they went out of the Champions League, the confidence just seemed to evaporate from the the whole of the team. Lovrencic, who was a quality signing in the summer, was talking about how the press of the group were. And you sort of see like there's um like his body language throughout the whole year it was just it was just so off um I, he's, well he still scored seven goals to be fair but it's just it's just not what you expected uh, to I see from a them a lot of motivation problems because they they won the championship by landslide last year mm-hmm. very easily how can you motivate these players to be there uh, they should say that come on try to qualify for the champions league and then you go out against the Albanian runner-up. With yeah, not even the winner. Absolute disgrace. Really, 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 really awful matches. And then, the, well, obviously the confidence to hit and the motivation. Well, what is the motivation? You can play Hungarian League matches week in and week out. There's not that much of motivation for a team that was rolling over the league the year before. And yes, it's going to be it's going to be a hot spring season for Dole, I think. If if Robbie is not winning the championship, uh, I would say the 90% that he's gone. And uh, but Fradi uh, is notoriously difficult place to manage. And it's notoriously difficult to, to, to keep the bench for a long period. Because traditionally there are the resources, there is an enormous pressure from the from the fans because they are rare always expecting the to come top or near the top and especially if you have the biggest budget or one of the biggest budgets and the best squad and you still don't win the championship that's that will not go down well that will not go down well and i think to be fair to him he has done a very very good job last i mean last season they probably had by far and away the best squads they've had maybe this century um at least the last 10 years um and and they ran away with it, but that's all credit to Dole for making them play the way. I think they won 13 in a row or something like that, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, were, they were playing very well. I, I think they were 
in a way being found out out a little tactically mm -hmm. and also i don't understand that they and they didn't address this this season, this season as well the central back situation yeah, um, yeah now, now Peter is gone as well but he, he was not playing well at all in the autumn so one more player who can be a central back is gone and they don't have that much uh, the, that much quality in the middle of defense. I mean, if you look at Vidalton, probably their third choice centre back is better than Fadi's first choice centre back. Yeah, I mean that's and, been a problem since. And in... playing with an undersized Leon, uh, undersized Lana, Leandro yeah. in the middle of defense, probably, uh, and like he's I don't know five or eight centimeters too small for this position. He's playing it adequately, and he he has a lot of qualities, but he is no centre back. I mean, throughout most of his career, he's played at left back as well. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's been a, it's been a position that probably haven't sorted out since. Well, Besic left. I think Pavlovic left in the same season, yeah. and they them two yeah. were absolutely like Pavlovic was really good, and obviously Besic was was like class, and he's shown yeah, that Everton well, as well. But first, first too much class for this league. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it, to be fair, to Besic, he he gave his everything for Frodi and he, he loved the club. You could yeah. sort of tell on the field as well. But yeah, he was, he was an absolute world-class talent. And I hope I'm, I, I, I like Besic as well. And I hope he does well at Everton. He's had like, real injury problems since he's gone there. I feel sorry for the lad. Yeah. Uh, but that is moving on to Bosnian football and that's not what we do. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up now, if that's okay. Um, just going to end with who do you think is going to win the league and who do you think is going to go down? Uh, we'll go to you, Chris, first, please. Yeah, sure. I um, um, Well, I wanted to do a, a quick shout-out to a couple of things. Also, this uh, you know, this uh, this season, you had mentioned um, uh, Weepesh not being very consistent. They've been consistent. They've just been consistently average. They had, <laughs> they had seven... <laughs> Uh, seven draws in a row. I think they haven't lost in 12 games, but um, boy, they've been consistently. It's like yeah, Man United, they're, they're in sixth as well. Yeah, <laughs> they, just, they just need Jose. Um, yeah. No, I, I like I, I, I like Vasquez. I think I, they they have belief. They have a good squad of players. They have the, the chemistry of a championship winning team. As we saw with Leicester last season, it's not always the best players, but the best team that wins it. And I, like I said, my, I think Michael Enning has something special there, and and, and their move for. For Gal was perfect. Uh, I mean, just, like you said, just a pinch of seasoning makes a good stew great. You know, they didn't need a whole lot. They just got what they needed. Mm -hmm. um, I think Friday will have all the tools, and I, I just I love their additions this winter, but I, I think they still need to learn to play together, and I think that's going to be their big hurdle. Um, they, they won't be able to shift through the gears fast enough to win it this season. And then uh, going down, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Guillermo also uh, is uh, assured I think they're going to go down. Um, they brought in a number of players, mostly foreign talent, I think. I can't see them turning things around. Eight defeats on the trot, you can't get past that. I mean, yeah, they beat Vashis at home, but let's be realistic. It's going to take a miracle for them. And uh, The other, it's going to be a coin toss between MTK and Debrechen. I think Debrechen are sinking fast, as we mentioned. I don't think they're, uh, they've really answered their goal issues. MTK still have uh, Torgel, and if he moves, then it could be curtains for them. But, uh, I think Leanna Martinez... Um, will help them a bit. I, if I had to pick, I'd say Debrechen goes down. Cool. Go, guys. Uh, we don't for the champion. Uh, and going down, Geo Motives is for sure. 
and the other, I would say, viewers your auction. Because I think Benfica and Debrecen has have both much better squads than Diorgio and Posh. And also, I'm, I would say Diorgio and Gilmour. And I, will, I won't, won't be very popular in Mishkos right now. <laughs> <coughs> okay, great stuff. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Sam. Next up, we have an interview with David Groff. David is a uh, Honved keeper who's top of the league at the moment. Kept five clean sheets in his last nine league games. Um, he's played for Hibernian down the years, Notts County, Warsaw, Mansfield. He's played in Germany as well, in Hungarian second tier. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to the show, David Groff. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Um, we'll start right at the start. Um, you joined Hibs when you were 17, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I was. I went to Hibs at first when I was 16. I went on trial. Then I, I think I spent about three weeks there and uh, we pretty much agreed a deal that I'm going to join in the summer. So, yeah, I, I turned 17 by the time I, I actually moved there. Uh, who were you playing for before that? I grew up at uh, Vashar Budapest. Okay, cool. How did the opportunity come about to join Hibson? Right, I was actually spotted by a Swedish agent when I was about 13 or 14. He was the agent of Zoltan Stieber. I'm sure I'm sure you will know about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, uh, he was he was pretty famous already when he was 14 over here, you know. He was a he was the next big thing coming out of Hungary and uh, his agent spotted me and um, well, basically, just offered me a contract to to represent me and try and get me a move out of Hungary as soon as as soon as I can. So, a couple, he set up a couple of trials. One of them was Hibs, the other one was Hearts, and uh, in the end, I ended up signing for uh, for Hibs. <laughs> so, um, do you think that helped you in your development, like moving away so early? Well, in a lot of things, yeah. You know, back here, I I, I was only. You know, I was just mom and dad's little boy. I I, I didn't actually start growing up till I, till I moved there. So I, it helped me grow as a person. Obviously, I'm, I made mistakes, but a lot of good things happened. And but yeah, you know, I I've always dreamt about uh, playing in the UK. So I didn't have to think about it twice if I wanted to go or not. Yeah, how would you describe your time at Hips? Yeah, it was a, it was a good. You know, I learned a lot. <clears throat> that was the that was the thing. I, I had to get used to living on my own, and uh, I had to take care of myself. I didn't have anybody else, you know, doing that for me. So, a lot loads of ups and downs. But for me, it's, Hibs is a is a is still really close to my heart, and you know, I always support the club. So, thinking back, it's it's all positive for me, really. Could you speak English when you moved over? Uh, not really, you know. I was, I was only learning in school, but but that was about into the changing room. At first, it was difficult, you know, especially with the Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it took me about a year or so, and I got used to it. And you know, that's another positive thing to to come out of this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> did you um, find that you le- kind of left too early because? I don't think you made a league appearance. We played a few cup games, is that right? Yeah, I've I played a few in the cups. I play I played the friendly matches. 
you know, I was still only 19. You know, I was just uh, coming out of the under 19s team. I was too old to play there. So, yeah, maybe if I if I stay a, a bit more, you know, um, relaxed about my situation, and if I maybe if I try to fight for my place for a little longer and no wanting to move to a different club, maybe things would have been different. But hey, it's all in the past now. Yeah, yeah. I always find with keepers, it's like kind of quite hard to like break through as well because like you see Galacci, for example, who would have never probably broken through at Liverpool, but he's obviously got the talent to to make it elsewhere it's kind of you've got to wait for either a mistake from that keeper who's playing in front of you or or for an injury it's quite a hard position isn't it really yeah I think that's the key thing you know it's sometimes you you get a chance you get a bit lucky or you know somebody gets injured suspended and you get a good run of games two three games and if if you do well obviously at a club like Hibs you, you will get your chance but that's the thing, you just got to keep patient, but that's difficult. And, you know, when you come out of an under-19 team, reserve, t- reserve teams, and, you know, I played a lot of games in, in those two, and it was just difficult for me. Yeah, Especially, yeah. you know, I, I kind of, I was kind of between agents, I, I've, I was taking advice from people, and, you know, they are, they are not always the best advices, but... Yeah. You know, you're you're young and you listen to them and they can fool you a little bit. So I think that was the case with me leaving Hibs as well. Yeah. Your dad played professionally, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did almost for 20 years. Did he have much impact on your career at all? Yeah, of of course. At first, he didn't want me to be a goalkeeper. You know, he he thought it was the most difficult position. And I think many of... Many of the ex-professional goalies agree. So he didn't force me to, to go and go, but that's all I wanted to do. You know, I was looking up to him. I was at his every home and away games. So in the end, he became my goalkeeper coach when I was just about five, six years old. <laughs> and so, yeah, since then, since I, I moved Hibs, I was training with him every day. So, yeah, he had a pretty big impact. <laughs> Um, you went to Notts County after Hibs, um, then you went to Mansfield um, on loan. What was the experience like playing there and playing senior football for the first time? Yeah, you know, before I signed to Notts County, I was actually close to returning back home. I had a couple of deals. One of them was from Debrecen, who were the biggest club at that time. They were in the Champions League and stuff, so... Uh, that was a good offer, and the other one was Ferenc Varos, actually. But uh, that's where I met Craig Short, and, you know, we got pretty friendly, obviously, both of us speak in English, and we just got on well, and he rang me in the summer, or just before I signed for Ferenc Varos, he rang me and said that he's going to get a club in England. So I, I didn't have to think twice, you know. I just said, yeah, why not? I, I love being in the UK, so why not go back there? Unfortunately, he he didn't stay there for very long, so that that wasn't good for me. But then I had the chance to go to Mansfield on loan, and that was the first time really that I started playing week in week out. And you know, I, I've got some unbelievable memories from that time. You know, we got into the FA Trophy final. Unfortunately, I couldn't play in the final because my loan was up by then. But I played in both semi-finals, and it was just unbelievable. That's a nightmare, isn't it? Cause is there no chance you could have extended the loan? No, I think there was one more player uh, 
from Mansfield who was on loan and both of our deals were up just I think four or five days before the final and they tried to extend it but I don't know why the the FA wasn't having it so uh, so that's it it's a bit of a nightmare because you know I, I feel and obviously the fans felt as well that played a big part you know I got one of the match in one of the semi-finals and and um, yeah it would have been nice to play in Wembley yeah but, Hey, maybe another time. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, after that, you went to Warsaw, didn't you? Where you were playing with Jimmy Walker. How would you yeah. describe your time there? Yeah, it was obviously I've I moved up a couple of leagues because I was alone at Mansfield in the conference, and I had a couple of League One clubs, Championship clubs that were looking at me at the time, and. Uh, uh, Warsaw was the first one that said, yeah, come and, and join us. I had a meeting with them in the off-season. I, I met Dean Smith and uh, obviously I met Jimmy Walker as well, who who I've known as a player. So I thought it was a good step for me. Yeah, yeah. who's he playing for now? I, thought, I think I saw him on Soccer AM not long ago. Uh, he is the goalkeeper coach of Lincoln City, but oh yeah, yeah, that's really I think this, I is him, the, yeah. this is about the fourth or fifth time he's come out of retirement. And he <laughs> yeah. left the bench a couple of weeks ago in the FA Cup as well. So okay. yeah, he's still going strong. Yeah, have you got any? You got some good memories from Warsaw then? I know. Yeah, yeah. Of, I see a lot of Warsaw fans on your Twitter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I started playing in League One. At first, Jimmy was number one. Then, in the first season, I'm, I ended up playing, I think, 25 or 26 games. And obviously, kept Jimmy on the bench. <laughs> so, that that was a big thing for me. Unfortunately, the second, my second season, I extended my contract, but my second season wasn't as, as good as I hoped or as the first one was. So, that's how I ended up leaving. You were still quite young back then, weren't you? Like, especially for a keeper, like 23, yeah, 24 or something? Yeah, 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I guess that's really young for a keeper because usually they don't reach their peak to like 28, 29, well, traditionally anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, after that, you went to you went to Germany, is that right? Like yeah. Fourth yeah. tier. Is there any? Did you want to come back to? Well, was there any chance of you coming back to Hungary at this point, or did you want to stay abroad? Uh, the t- yeah, I was. There was a couple of chances, but nothing there. I thought was right for me, and in the end, uh, it was some strange contact that uh, actually found me through my dad and said I should uh, try my luck in Germany. Which, looking back, maybe it wasn't the best decision. I I didn't go to. I, I've got some good memories from these times, but uh, it wasn't probably the best for my footballing career. So, but I still ended up playing a lot of games, so I got some more experience mm-hmm. and. Um, now I'm back at a good club where I feel I should be. Yeah, yeah. You obviously went to Schottval before you went to Hunbird. What was the time like there? I mean, from what I saw, you were kind of the standout keeper in that league, really, weren't you? Well, no, no, yeah, I don't want to say yourself, <laughs> make you sound a bit arrogant. No, it, it, was, uh, it was my uh, my father's uh, old teammate, Jörg uh, Bogner, who, who played 50 times for the national team, so he was a big name and I've known him since I was a little kid, and he asked me to to come and help them out for the season. I think they had a couple of goalies that left them in that summer, so they were looking for a goalkeeper. I haven't I haven't played in Hungary since I was under 16, so 
not many people knew me. I thought it would be good to build myself back up after maybe a couple of disappointing years in Germany. So I played every league game. I played a few in the Hungarian Cup. So some people started talking about me again. And obviously, we we agreed that uh, after a good season, I can go and play in the first division, which actually it did happen as well. Mm-hmm. And when you joined Honved, you would at the start of the season when um you were initially number two. Do you know like when you joined, did they say you're going to be competing? to be number one or did they say you're going to be number two to begin with or anything like that? No, we, we didn't actually speak about this. I, I knew they had the number one who who played the the whole of last spring as well or the I think the last 16 or 17 games. So I knew they had a settled number one who the coach and the fans liked as well. So I, I knew it was going to be a hard work to get in there, but I, I got my chance and it looks like I've I've taken it. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you needed, I guess, that little bit of luck for the other keeper to, I don't know, make a mistake or something. You get that chance like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, um, he had a slight injury as well, so I think they didn't want to risk it. Yeah. Then I think we were in the sixth position, and we, when I got into the team, we started climbing the table, so that was good for me. Obviously, if I, even if I do well, but the team is not doing well, it's... It's difficult to stay in the team if you if you already have a number one. Yeah, 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 but, exactly. Yeah. But thankfully, we started going up the, the league table, and uh, I became number one. So yeah, yeah. That what, was it. What's it like playing in a team that's doing so well as well? Yeah, obviously I played for a few clubs, but I never actually really had had a chance to win anything apart from like the FA Trophy, where we went to the final. But I think this season we have a real shot. You know, we can make it into Europe, either finishing in the top three or top four in the league or or go all the way in the Hungarian Cup. So, yeah, it's exciting. Mm. Um, I guess Bokker and Pross are two huge losses. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the biggest thing is we lost one of them. We lost Botka to one of our main rivals. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Ferenc Varos will be challenging for the title as well. But... You know, we we have another good ride back in Ikena King as well. So I don't think we we're actually much weaker than we were. And you uh, signed as well, didn't you? Yeah. So I think we needed somebody for that position, and I think we got a pretty good player. You know, he's he's played I think over twenty times for Hungary. We, mm-hmm. He's one of the best in 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 the left back position in the country at the moment. I think. So I think we're we're not weaker than we were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like playing under Marco Rossi? Yeah, he's he's a he's a different character f- compared to who I've had before in in my career. But you know, it's it's interesting. Is it does a lot of tactical work, and that that was a bit new for me. You know, we can spend a couple of hours on the training pitch and uh, working through all the set pieces and everything like that. So yeah, but he's he's a great guy. And you know he's very passionate about what he does. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's good. I really enjoy it. The players like do they like play, uh, all that tactical talk, or is, does it go over their heads, or do they just really enjoy it? You know, he, like it proves him right, especially what we are doing this season. You know, nobody expected us to to even be in maybe the top six, and now he's challenging for the title. So. So I think if, uh, a lot of it is down to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I 
we don't have the financial backing of some of the other clubs we are competing and we don't have the same facilities so i think he i think he and uh, and us are must be doing something right how would you rate him out of the uh, best managers you've played under it's ooh, i'm not too sure mate. you know i've had a lot of managers i, I really liked obviously I, I i spoke about my relationship with craig short who i thought was a, a good coach and a fantastic guy as well i love tony i love playing for tony mowbray you know i was still only a young guy when he signed me for hips and you know we had a good relationship it's it's different you know now i'm playing week in week out so i got to say he's he's my favorite one so far okay great stuff um we've got some fan questions here um the first one's from pete green who says uh what's the best ground that you've played at and which club did you enjoy playing for most yeah, you know, I made my first team debut at Hibs, so I still hold Hibs very close to my heart. And we, I actually played against Barcelona at Murrayfield, so I've got to say that stadium, you know, the rugby oh, stadium wow. in Scotland. Who was playing for that, Barca? It was still Messi, Henri, Samuel Eto'o, nice. Victor Valdez was in goal. So I've got to say that stadium simply because, uh, you know, I made my debut there and that, that was that was a cool that was a cool feeling. Yeah, that's pretty decent. Um, David Aspos says, uh, which of the teams you played for had the best fans? But <laughs> <laughs> not an easy one. It's not an easy one. You know, I, I love I love Hibs fans. I, I've got to say Hibs again. Yeah. But at the moment, I can see how many Homebed fans we got. We, even though we don't get too many people at the ground, but I can when I go into the city for a walk or something like that, you know, I see there's still a lot of homebred fans around. So, and they are really passionate. And, you know, even at the weekend when we played against Ferenc Varos, the the atmosphere was unbelievable. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, when that goal went in at the end, the roar was massive. That lads yeah, and I, I was like, yeah, whoa. I think, I think we only had about a thousand tickets that they, they gave us, but still, the fans were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Nick Halosh asks, uh, who's the best player you believe is playing in Hungary right now? Any position? I would, I would still say Zoltan Gira. You know, he's, he's just an unbelievable player. I know he's, he's 37 now, but you can still see that he, he thinks ahead of everyone and he is two or three moves ahead of everyone, even though maybe he's not got the legs anymore, but he's just unbelievable. He's still got that passion as well, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, this is from Free Penalties. Uh, who do you think is the best Hungarian keeper at the moment? I've, I have to say uh, Peter Gulacsi. You know, obviously what he's doing this season with with Red Bull, it's, you know, everybody's looking up to him. And he, it's not just his team doing well, he's doing well per, uh, personally as well. So I've got to say him. Mm-hmm. Um, then John Spanley, who's, sent four questions um do you plan to return to play in the uk again um we'll go for that one first yeah <laughs> yeah obviously I, I i love the uk you know I, I do really feel at home in the uk so you never know maybe in the future if if a, a good chance comes up then obviously i would be open to it um this one's a tough one i think uh do you think you should be in the national team squad <laughs> well, it's it's not my place to to decide. 
you know, I'm just I'm just trying to do my best uh, week in week out, and if if I ever get a call up, then I would be really proud. But at the moment, I just take it game by game and trying to give my best. It's certainly a chance though, in the way you're going at the moment. Um, what is your what was your favorite save? First made by yourself, and then second that you've seen by myself. <laughs> It's difficult. That one man. on Saturday was pretty decent. Yeah, I, I, there was a couple of uh, uh, stories about it. <laughs> saying it was the save of the season. It was, you know, it was class. <laughs> Some of my teammates were winding me up that it's only February and they ordered the announced save of the season. So <laughs> the last couple of days I got a bit of stick for that. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty good, you know. But I made my David MTK debrets and I had a couple of decent saves. So yeah, it's got to be one of the recent ones. But obviously when I played for Mansfield in the in the semi final of the FA Trophy, I made a few saves. When I made my debut for Walsall in Bournemouth, I had a decent game and got into team of the weekend as well. So yeah, that's that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and uh, my favourite one is it's got to be Peter Schmeichel against Juventus. You know, in the in the Champions League semi final. I can't remember. I, I think, think everybody, everybody remembers that header. Oh, is that the like the star when he like did like starfish kind of action? No, I think it was it was actually everybody thought it was inside the goal and he was diving. Oh back yeah, back. yeah 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 yeah. What a save there. Yeah. yeah. I can't so believe I didn't know that because Peter Schmeichel and you know, I'm, like I'm a Man my... United fan. I'm a Man United fan as well, and yeah, that was a big yeah. season for United. So Peter Schmeichel yeah. was like my goalkeeping hero as well. So I can't believe I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. So it's got to be that one. Yeah, nice. Um, well, David Goff, thanks a lot for speaking to us today, and best of luck for the season. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Hungarian International today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Next show we're going to have Istvan Boregi and uh, Abel Lorenz on the uh, on the show. Istvan uh, works for MT Car as a, um, a match analyst, and Abel works for Honvit um, as a match analyst as well. So we're going to talk about tactics and that. So I hope you enjoyed it today. Um, if you've got any comments, please uh, let me know on Twitter or leave a message on iTunes or whatever. However you want to get in contact, that'd be great. Um, thank you and uh, thanks for listening again. Bye.